Morning everybody. Morning. Got the new, we've got a few new faces this morning. My name is Mark Mitro. I'm the minister here. And um, as a church we've been going through, well, starting to go through a series um, on the book of Revelation. And today we're going to be, as Pete reminded us in the beginning, we're going to be dealing with two other churches from the seven churches of the book of Revelation. Um, in God's economy... God chose to reveal himself in a very special way to these churches. He had this revelation to which he passed to his son Jesus to give to the angel, to give it to John. So John could take whatever revelation he has received and pass it on initially to the seven churches and from that point onwards 2,000 years so we are dealing with a, a letter which is basically very pastoral we have said we're dealing with a letter which is prophetic which is full of symbolism and therefore it makes it um, apocalyptic so there's a lot of things that we don't know about. And actually, we're dealing with the easier part of the letter now as we deal with the churches, although the information that the churches are having to, to, to deal with, from, well, that they've been passed from John, is very tough. Um, it's very sobering. And actually, it doesn't match the mandate that Christ gave to his church through his apostles. And therefore, it's very important that Pete read what he read in the beginning. That's very important that John addresses his audience with grace. Grace and peace. Therefore, John is making sure that he reveals this revelation that actually Although the situation in each church is individual and it's tough. Remember, in the beginning when we started, we said that the one who holds the seven stars is in the center. So although we're going to deal with some information today that is unpleasant, we're dealing with someone who is bigger than that situation. With a God who loves his church with a God who is going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, next slide please, Andy. And the next one, please. Sorry, I've, I've, I didn't risk the day to use my laptop. So here we've got this, the, the, the lo locality of the churches. And... Uh, the, the circular letter is, of course, addressed to the churches in, as individual, but they can, they can all read it and actually learn from it. And the, the whole idea is that whoever reads this letter and whoever hears this letter and takes it to heart is blessed. And that's the promise that John transmits from God. So... Uh, my idea, again, is that we've got different people reading 
And today, intentionally, I didn't uh, prop anybody up, but is there anybody who is going to read for us the letter to Thyatira? Or Thyatira, as you say in English. Would anybody like to read Revelations chapter 2, verse 18 to 29? It's the longest of the letters from the seven. It's, it's some tough information there. Joe, well done. Eighteen to twenty-nine. Yes, please. Okay. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, write: These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Thanks, Joe. What do you do with this information? Can you imagine being part of a gathering group of believers and you get this circular letter? Not only is it personal, but it's circular because other people can read about it. But we know that this letter is written by Christ to his church for whom he gave his life for whom he longs for their transformation and there is no messing around Christ is being frank is being open is being very strong and clear of what the expectations are set there and what the church ought to do. Now, the background is a little bit interesting because of all these seven churches, Thyatira is the only one which is from a small town which is less significant than the rest. And it's quite an industrial 
yeah, I mean, we read from commentaries. I've taken this information from commentaries. So it's, it's less significant when, when it comes to this, you know, big cities, influential from the Roman empires and stuff like that. No, Thyatira is a city which is quite industrial. It deals with commercial stuff, wool, linen, leather work, bronze work, dyed stuff. Remember when Lydia got converted in Acts chapter 16, she came from Thyatira. And also what is very interesting about this city is that it's got this, because it's industrial, it's got these trade guilds. And the trade guilds have got their own, well, patron deity, they've got their own feasts, they've got their own things that they do together. And part of that, some of that, it happened to be that there was a lot of sexual immorality happening within the guilds. But on the other hand, it's not only that, there is a community of faith there. There is a community of faith there that is having to live in the midst of all this. And somehow... Somehow, this community of faith is not experiencing what the other churches are experiencing, persecution, what we prayed about from the outside, but they're experiencing something from within. They're experiencing a false teaching that is coming from within. And we don't know in detail... But Christ is asking John to write to Thyatira to say that actually what that woman Jezebel is doing is wrong. Now, if we want to go back to the Old Testament story, we know very well from 1 Kings chapter 16 what happens. Jezebel was a Moabite who got married to King Ahab. And in the Old Testament history, we read that with the coming of Jezebel in the picture, she encouraged Ahab to get into spiritual idolatry, where they started slaughtering pigs in the temple. And as a result, because the nation saw that their king is being influenced in this way, it took that consequence. So actually it wasn't Jezebel that convinced the Jewish people to turn into idolatry, but she did it through a different way, from within. And that's why John, the writer, is saying, you've got somebody there who is trying to do something which is inadequate, which doesn't match. Although it's within you. It doesn't match with what's being church is like. So, the first thing that comes to us as an application, what we're going to do is we're going to be thinking a little bit of the churches and we're going to stop and be saying, what does this mean for us as well? So, we've got this church. In all the other letters... If you read what we've done so far, Jesus is presenting himself, for example, to Ephesus, 
the words of him who holds. To Smyrna, the words of him who is the first and the last. To Pergamum, the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. To Thyatira, the words of the Son of God. Do you remember how John has introduced Jesus in the beginning of the book? He has introduced him as the Son of Man. And because the situation is so drastic, I believe that there is an authority that Jesus has to remind his people to say that actually this is the Son of God pouring out his heart for you, church in Thyatira. Sort yourselves out. I think the church looks good. I know your deeds, your love and your faith, your service, perseverance, and you are now doing more than you did at first. Huh. Everything looks good. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I have this thing against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. So there are voices within the congregation. There are voices that actually are expected to happen, are expected to be in such a lively church. This is the first lesson that we learn. That although everything looks good in the surface, although everything that Jesus is commending them about is, is, is great, nevertheless, there is something that is not right. And for such a lively church, what do you do? I think Thyatira, because it was lively, because Jesus was commanding it for it, they had excuses that actually it is possible that in the midst of the business, in the midst of what we're doing, it is possible for us not to check out what are the things that we're being taught? What are the things that we are teaching others? And what are the doctrines? Especially when it comes to prophecy. Especially when it comes to that person who says, Thus says the Lord, and therefore that brings it in the middle of the church, and the church has to respond. So what do you do with that? Well, I'm reminded of some scriptures. What did the Bereans did when Paul went to teach to them? They said, wait a moment. Let's go back to the scriptures and see. Let's go back to, th- to test. You know, look at Ephesians chapter 5. What does the church do? That we do not get just absent-minded with what's going on at his goods. But actually, it is our task, church, it is our task to stay alert and to go back 
back and forth to the scriptures, every time you hear something that he says in that authority. I would love, I would love to be in that position that I just don't hear that your sermon is good this Sunday. I'd love to be in that position that we reason together and I've had it with some of you, that we, we talk together about stuff, and we talk about different views, and in one sense, the, the, eventually, we need to go back to the Scriptures, because there is a lot of information out there that, unfortunately, doesn't match with what God's Word is saying. And that's the thing that he's trying to address. Even 2,000 years ago, that you as a church of God, as people of God who spend time in prayer and in scriptures have not got an excuse not to check out the teachings of God's word. Actually, it's also the task of the elders of the church to maintain the spiritual guidance of the church. So here's another responsibility for us as elders, as leaders, that we're saying that, oh, what are we teaching our children? What are we teaching our young people? What are we teaching adults? What are we saying? And what is the basis of our teaching? But there is another thing here. God is very serious about this. And you can see it from the language that is being used. Look at verses 23, 24, and your heart starts going fast because you say, whoa! But there is a remnant there. And God is commanding them to stay and hold on there until he returns. And to him who overcomes and does my will to the end. To him who overcomes this false teaching. To him who opposes this false teaching and says, No, we have checked with the scriptures and it doesn't go anywhere. It's just something, a waffle that has just come out in the 21st century. It's something that the churches have been dealing with for many years. And I think the most dangerous thing for us as a 21st century church is that it is very easy for us to sit down and look at church history and we're saying, oh, what happened on the 17th century in this particular movement was a heresy. My biggest struggle this morning or today is how do we define and distinguish a heresy when it's happening amongst us, when it's happening next door. It's very easy for us to look back and say, oh yeah, what that guy did or that church movement did was wrong. We're not going to do that. And we happen to find ourselves trying to be in the brink of being in a heretic movement. Not that I'm saying that for Cairns, but I'm just saying that as a church in general in the 21st century that we look at history but we don't pay attention to the things that the church really has been fought, being fought for 20 centuries. So the truths that they've kept for 20 centuries. 
And I think as 21st century church, also we can be arrogant. So these are the things that are being addressed here. And there is a, a promise for the person who overcomes and does my will to the end. I give authority over the nation, over the nations. Do you see God's heart of missions here? I will also give him the morning star. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So what is the solution here? The solution is for them to come to that place of saying, actually, we're not going to do anything. We have nothing to do with these kind of teachings. Although you are Mrs. Popular, although you are Mrs. Prophetess, we've come to that conviction in our hearts and we have nothing to do with it. And the scary bit is, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Before we move to Sardis, I just want to give two minutes here. Because I, this is very important stuff. And if we, even if we have to stop here, I'm more than happy to stop here and do three churches next Sunday. But I'm just thinking that I don't want for us to rush through these things without saying, is there something that we as God's people can identify with or we can learn? And we're saying, actually, we're going to make that mental and hard decision today to say... Let's not mess around. Joe has got the mic, so you can pass it on if you want to say something. Obviously, he's extremely exposing. Um, But in recent weeks and months, we've been talking about, well, we always talk about love um, and family and how that resonates amongst us as a family. But this particular section... And you've just been talking about effectively challenging our direction, our lead, our behaviours and attitudes towards things and checking them out. The thing that challenges me is about how does love manifest itself in us today? And what I'm trying to say rather clumsily is when we see and hear things, How does love change my innermost thoughts and actions? If that makes any sense, you know, in terms of what would Christ have me do? Mm. You know, if there's things like the things that are written in this paragraph, in this 
I mean, I'm challenging myself, you know, I feel, I feel uncomfortable with these words because actually there are times where I think, actually, if Christ is in me and he has welcomed me into himself, I should be doing things that are for the benefit of the person on my left and my right because actually Christ calls me to do that. And um, I'm not being very clear, but do you know what I mean? In the way everything falls out of me, you know, what I say, what I think. Will it have anything to do then how is love demonstrated if you come across this kind of wrong teaching or wrong, or, and how do you expand that, that? And that comes into it, yeah. Okay. It's like, how do I... Helpful. How do I... Because actually, sometimes there are moments, aren't there, where you think, sorry to go on, folks, but if you have love in you, revealed to you through Christ, there are moments where you think, hang on a minute, we've got to meet here in honesty and integrity and say, hang on, is this love? Okay. Great. Thanks, John. Anybody else? I think we're going to stop here. And I just want to say one more thing. We're, going to, we're not going to do Sardis. We're going to do Sardis next Sunday. Um, false teaching, doctrine, keeping up with the teaching of the scriptures, it's a long-standing battle. And my observation is that what happens, and I may be very wrong here, but my observation, and I'm very happy to be challenged, is that what happens in a very well-established and educated societies is that there is a lot of room for discussions, there is a lot of room for Uh, trying to develop themes and stuff like that, which I think can be a slippery slope. And sometimes I think the church in the West spends so much time trying to accommodate doctrine and spiritual truths to the lowest common denominator that we miss the point. And I think one of the reasons why this letter is sobering is because it's really showing God's heart for his church. That God cannot go out of his character. And if he's going to stay true and be true to his church, he's going to be very, very true and very, very true to his church. By even delivering the most disturbing information and teaching. Spiritual adultery. This is what John is trying to address in this church. Messing around with things that are really strong there in the name of a spiritual discipline and gift such as prophecy. 
How do we test our prophets? How do we test Maki, who teaches here every Sunday, or not every Sunday? What is our criteria? How do we test the resources that we draw our teaching from? What is our criteria? The tendency is to go for somebody who is radical and has come from a different angle into interpretation of the scripture. But I don't believe that that's always necessarily right. It could be refreshing. But what's happening here is people are dealing with prophecy. People are dealing with something that is being said in the name of God. People are expected from this lady, in this case called Jezebel, because we don't know her real name, to respond to her teaching. False teaching is commonly accepted. And Jesus is not happy with Thyatira about this issue. What can we learn as Cairns wrote this morning? I think there is one thing that we can stay on track with this. Is that we make sure that we spend more time with Scripture. We make it a daily decision that, yes, I'll read my Bible. Yes, I will spend time with Scripture. Yes, this is where I know where the heart of God is being exposed. Although, in this situation, it's very harsh. And that's why it's so important that John, again, I have to repeat this, starts this letters with grace and peace. Because we cannot be God's church with Christ in the center without God's grace and without God's peace. So as we go in this week, I'd like for us to make that mental decision. And I'm not asking that we go around and we check on everything, but have that mental decision that actually I'm going to be a bit more alert about what is being given to me out there. There's a lot of weird teachings going on all over the world. But I want to be alert based on God's word. Let's pray. I believe that there's probably a few people that want to pray out loud today. So if you've got a prayer in your heart that you want to pray for Cairns, as the Spirit leads you, please do so. Heavenly Father,
Father, we just give thanks that you are so seeming so pathetic to say that you're so awesome, we can't even describe you. You know, Father, you are so powerful, yet you're so long-suffering, and you're so patient with us, and you love us, and you care for us so much, and we just give thanks that you, you bear with us in our failings. But we also give you thanks that through Jesus Christ we can come back to you and we have hope and that that is not the end of the story. You know, our failings are made perfect through Him. And um, we thank you, Father, that you love us so much that not only did you give us Christ, who is the living word, but you also wrote it for us in these pages. And we have an example of love. And please help us, please help us through the power of your spirit, through that gentility, through its support, through its comfort, through its through the wisdom that it gently reveals to us, Lord. Please help us to understand your word so that we can be loved as Christ was and is and will always be. And we just acknowledge, Father, that it's not easy. Life is not easy and we need the spirit to help us. Please give us two people minds and hearts, Father. Thank you for your, your patience and forgiveness. Amen. Amen. your love towards us this morning, Lord, and uh, your great desire for a really close relationship, Lord, with us, the church and individuals, and throughout your body, Lord. And, oh, Father, that requires honesty, Lord, and uh, we know you are honest, Lord. Help us to be honest with you, Lord. We will be for you, Lord. You're not um, taken in by any of our things that we think are right but aren't. Oh Lord, help us to be honest, Lord, to be open with you, to seek your face, to live here, but as we there, Lord, we are raised together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Lord. Help us to operate in that way, Lord, in truth and reality, Lord. And, oh Lord, just to cause you joy. Lord, we don't want to cause you sadness, Lord, we want to cause you joy, Lord, because of all you did for us, Lord, and uh, to bring us joy, we suffered 
incredibly known out there. In such ways beyond we could ever know, Lord, and yet you did it all for us. Oh, Father, just help us to, uh, to get a grip of what you're really saying, Lord, and to live in that. And giving you all the glory, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. our confessions, you've done all things well. Everything. You've accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished. So this world can know you. Oh God, equip us then, teach us then, rebuke us then, do whatever you need to Lord, so that we are those that usher in your kingdom across the lands. Yeah. Thank you, God, for your grace and peace. Get our attention. Make it real. To bless this world we live in with all its trouble and grief and evil. Amen. Amen. And I will ask the Father to give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name to teach you all things grateful for the treasure that you have given us in scriptures and I'm aware Lord that for some of us reading your scriptures may become a chore or we have lost that love to go back and saturate ourselves in them be nourished be fed, be given life. I'm also aware, Lord, that as your church, we continue to be faithful to your teachings, Lord. And we, we all long here to carry on the footsteps of the early church, that they 
pressed on to the teaching of the apostles. They shared in their fellowship. They broke bread and they prayed together. So, if there is anything like that, Lord, that could be a combination for us this week, I pray for those of us who are struggling to be looking for those moments and places and people. And for those of us, Lord, who love your word, and it's not that the other group doesn't, but those that don't have problems with going back to scriptures, I pray that we'll be able to help and minister, not in a showing off way, Lord, but in a way that brings us back to your word, where we really know your heart for us as a church, but for the world that surrounds us. So speak to us, Lord, this week. Reveal yourself to us. And even though, Lord, that honesty of yours may be abrasive, we pray that we will respond like you want us to respond as your people. So, Lord, protect us from false teaching. Rescue us from our own excuses. And help us, Lord, to be faithful until you come. In Jesus' name, Amen.